the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. One challenge of doing a show that commences at this time of day is the inversion of what usually is the advantage. If news breaks in the morning or afternoon, we're first out, and everything you hear the next day tends to be medium, if not overcooked, or well done. But when news happens after this show ends, like the State of the Union address last night, You come here at 3 p.m. and most that can be said is beyond well done. But I will share a few observations about last night's speech and, of course, welcome your calls, too. First, I found it a little strange how a State of the Union speech would open with so much about two other countries, neither of them the United States. He opened with a lot of talk about Ukraine and Russia, and it constituted, by my count, 20 percent of his speech, again, titled... State of the Union, not State of the World or State of the Universe. Maybe it's the old speechwriter in me, but I just found that a little odd, an awfully long beginning about two other countries, neither of them ours. Now, I understand a bit why that might have been decided upon. First, I think Joe Biden and this administration are doing everything they possibly can to show the Joe Biden who can bring unity to this country. And he seized upon the near-universal respect for Ukraine. That unity, that was his calling card in 2020. That's what he sold to us. And, of course, he governed up until now as a disuniter, going so far this year as to call Republicans members of the party of Bull Connor and George Wallace and Jefferson Davis. It should say something about this great uniter that he needs to look to other countries to forge unity over his presidency here. I haven't heard anyone else mention that. Maybe I'm alone in thinking that. It is true there is a near unanimous sympathy for the Ukrainians, and I share in it. So I get why this president spent the first part of his speech on it and so much time on it. Also, despite whatever sleight of hand the best political consultants can come up with, the state of our union is not strong. Doubly odd that to find strength of mission We look again to two other countries. But then there's what was said about Ukraine and Russia specifically, and it just doesn't parse, not to the philosophical ear anyway. Joe Biden said, quote, when dictators do not pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos. They keep moving and the costs, the threats to America and America to the world keeps rising. You know what's odd about that, even disorienting? The president, at the same time he tells us this, is hell-bent on delivering a gift basket to Iran in order to secure Iran's word on nuclear proliferation. And worse, this administration is working with, wait for it, Russia to appease Iran. You think about our history there, ancient and modern, and you have the most rogue state in the world, or maybe the second most rogue state in the world, that has made a hobby of attacking and killing Americans for decades, for, 
and we are begging them to meet with us so that we can, as Barack Obama did, shovel money at them, all with the help of Russia. The second thing that clanged was when Joe Biden said, quote, Putin's latest attack on Ukraine was premeditated and totally unprovoked. He rejected repeated efforts at diplomacy, close quote. Odd thing to say. Is that not an admission against interest, an admission of failure? Whose efforts at diplomacy? Obviously, the United States' efforts, Joe Biden's efforts. Those efforts failed. And Vladimir Putin saw enough and heard enough of Joe Biden to think those efforts should fail and would, and that the United States could be dismissed. And why? Despite all the boisterousness and uproarious speech about standing with Ukrainians and the isolating of Vladimir Putin, it is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing, to borrow from Macbeth. Putin, like old man River, just keeps rolling along. The sanctions are failing. The unity of Europe is failing. And the United States can offer little more than collective virtue signaling. Which seems to me a pretty good summary of Joe Biden's presidency in the first place. The other observation, getting to that point, is his State of the Union speech was a speech to be given and given as if everything was going just fine and dandy here, as if the times were normal and nearly every policy objective wasn't failing or heading south from where it was a year or so ago. It was a speech of normalcy designed for normal times. Nothing wrong, nothing catastrophic, nothing needed to be improved radically or changed even marginally. Not on our border, not in regard to the cost of living, not on our energy dependence, not on the Middle East or Afghanistan, not on COVID and the aftershocks of the mediation efforts, not drug overdose deaths, not on transportation problems, not on gas prices, not on inflation, not on education, <clears throat> not on any policy item one can think of. Not a single public policy index is doing better than it was a year or so ago, and almost all of them are worse, much worse. This was a speech that at best was callous in recognizing all of this. Tone deaf would be the polite way to put it, the polite way, which is why I do not believe Joe Biden will get much of a poll bump that lasts more than a week from his speech last night, which is why you do not see Democrats running for state and federal office seeking an event with him or the vice president, as you would usually expect. Who wants Jimmy Carter vouching for them after all? And it tells the American people, by negative inference, this White House does not get it. With a CNN approval rating of 40 percent and a CNN disapproval rating 14 points higher at 54 percent, one of the worst, if not the worst, of any president at this point in his presidency, there seems to be no acknowledgement whatsoever that what is coming from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is both wrong and, consequently, not working and not making Americans happy. It's almost as if Biden and Harris are looking around the country and the world and saying, we got them right where we want them. It's disconnected from the country they govern or were elected to govern, and it's disconnected from reality. It also won't matter all that much. There are very few states of the Union speeches that are that memorable. Reagan had one, Clinton had one, and that was about it in our lifetimes.
Donald Trump had a memorable one in that Nancy Pelosi physically and theatrically tore his up on national and international television, you know, because bipartisanship and unity and respect for the office, I said sarcastically. Even as the Democrats tell us Republicans are the dividers in this country. There was one other State of the Union that has a memorable line, and it was Abraham Lincoln's, where he concluded this way, quote, Fellow citizens, we cannot escape history. We of this Congress and this administration will be remembered in spite of ourselves. No personal significance or insignificance can spare one or another of us. The fiery trial through which we pass will light us down in honor or dishonor to the latest generation. We say we are for the Union. The world will not forget that we say this. We know how to save the Union. The world knows we do know how to save it. We, even we here, hold the power and bear the responsibility. In giving freedom to the slave, we assure freedom to the free, honorable alike in what we give and what we preserve. We shall nobly save or meanly lose the last best hope of earth. Other means may succeed. This could not fail. The way is plain, peaceful, generous, just. A way which, if followed, the world will forever applaud, and God must forever bless. Close quote. Now, two things to say here. Joe Biden has a war he wants to use or at least work on or about or leverage. He cannot say we know how to save the victim, the Ukrainians, and he cannot say the world knows we know how to do this. Because all we seem to be able to do is say sanctions will take time as the butter of Ukraine melts by the day in the stove of Russia. The other thing to say about this is when's the last time you heard a Democrat say we are the last best hope of Earth? Another word for that is great or greatness. And the Democrats, along with their minions and aim and corners and the academies and the elite culture, wish us to think America is a down market commodity, never that great and certainly not the best hope. That all said, there was just one more little thing about the speech which was it was clearly rewritten a bunch. Notice the transitions from the topics covered last night in the speech. There were none. There was no flow. There were no transitions. It was just an itemized list with no segues. Beyond that, let's ask ourselves some tough questions. This is clearly a trying and a testing time. What is to be done? If the polling won't move this administration, what will? Obviously, a message to be sent to Washington this November. Thus, obligations and efforts must change. It is now up to us to move things, to send the message, and then to execute on it. Thus, as I've said before, since the burden is on us, how are we going to meet it? You're watching primary ads for various offices right now, and some of you are running for offices yourself, which is great. And I'm more gratified than ever before that I keep meeting people, as I did earlier today, running for what is perhaps the most important office one can run for, school board. If you are not running yourself, though, do not let America's decline become a spectator sport. Get involved. And when you get involved, you know what I keep saying about these primaries? Ask yourself a fundamental question about the candidates running. Have they been there for our cause and our causes for more than an election cycle, more than a year. Have they shown you their sermons? 
Or are they just now trying to convince you of their conviction and solidity by giving you sermons? And how long have they been giving those sermons? Take these primaries seriously. There's an old rule. There's an old rule invoked now and again named after William F. Buckley. It's called the Buckley Rule. It came out of an interview he gave in 1967. And it, to quote him directly, is this. Quote, be for the most right, viable candidate who could win. Close quote. Pretty good rule. I don't know of one better. And there's a lot in it, actually. A lot to it. Where has your candidate been? What has he or she done? And is it new to you and new to us, and can they defeat the Democrat? Those of you who were there may remember this, but the year was 2015, and we at 960 held a town hall on the Republican primary debates. I was asked who I supported. This was before Donald Trump had shown his full hand of conservatism. I'd done a little research, and while he had gone back and forth at times in his history, I'd seen Donald Trump's conservatism in the past. I'd seen him stand up for Dan Quayle when Quayle was the pinata Trump would become, not by dint of Quayle or Trump, but by dint of the Democrats and the media efforts to taint and tarnish them. And I said it makes no difference to me if our candidates get to the Super Bowl or if our candidate gets to the Super Bowl and can't win. I'm for Trump because he's the only one that can win next year, I said, certainly against Hillary Clinton. He was the most right viable candidate who could win, as Buckley put it. I ask you to think of it that way, along those lines, as we send the message and do our duty as we know it to save this, the last best hope of Earth. I'm Seth Liebson, coming to you live from the Guns Etc. Studios. Give us a call, 602-508-0960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 602- Five zero eight zero nine six zero is the number. Shout out here to our producer pro tem, Chris Llewellyn. Bill is out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Make Chris welcome if you call. He is normally known as the vice president of all things important here at Salem. Chris, I hope you're doing well. Always good, my friend. You're in fine fettle. Uh, we'll we'll talk more uh, throughout the show. Uh, Chris, but thank you for sitting in today. Much appreciated. Uh, Steve Hayward over at the Powerline blog has an interesting collection of things. He titles it This Week in Racism. Guess what's racist this week? Mainstream media reporting on Ukraine. Behold the Washington Post. Here's the headline. Opinion. Coverage of Ukraine has exposed longstanding racist biases in Western media. Here's the pulled quote. Putin's criminal invasion of Ukraine has generated an inspiring wave of solidarity around the world. But for many, especially non-white observers, it has been impossible to tune out the racist biases in Western media and politics. Close quote. Yes, Steve writes, it's impossible to tune out racist biases in Western media and politics when you suffer from racial tinnitus. To paraphrase the definition of one medical dictionary for the malady, the noise you hear when you have tinnitus isn't caused by an external sound, and other people usually can't hear it. Tinnitus is a common problem. It affects about 15 to 20 percent of people and is especially common 
and older adults. He replaces that with deranged liberals. Or as many have put it, if you constantly hear racist dog whistles, maybe you're the dog. Has that ever occurred to anyone? Another item. Well, let me stay with that for a moment. Nicole Hannah-Jones gave a shot at this three days ago. The Washington Post is late. The Washington Post is late to the party. Nicole Hannah-Jones four days ago was talking about the concern that we are watching and defending a people, or at least morally and verbally and rhetorically defending a people who are white. And that's what explains America's sympathy. I guess it never occurred to her that we were also denouncing a people and a leadership that were white, Vladimir Putin. In fact, if truth be told, he's actually more white than Vladimir Zelensky. But it raises another question as well, as you are now watching companies saying they will stop doing business in Russia. Disney is one, others, Apple. Why won't they say it about China? And where is Nicole Hannah-Jones on that? Why won't they do it with China? China is a bigger market. Is that what we have tied our morality to? Profit and the profit motive? The answer a long time ago was answered in the affirmative. Nike answered it. Apple answered it. Google answered it. Facebook answered it. They were all happy and willing and still are to do plenty of business in and with communist China. While lecturing the United States of America, their home countries, their bases, the countries that help build them, hiring Colin Kaepernick at tens of million dollars a year to be their spokesman, plenty happy to denounce America and denounce America's racism for something that ended well over 150 years ago. While they are blind and deaf to what is taking place before their very eyes currently in the country that is paying them their tens of millions of dollars and manufacturing billions of dollars, paying Colin Kaepernick tens of millions of dollars, and manufacturing the very items like Nike shoes, Nike shoes, that come with a moral message against American racism, all made for, purchased with, and bought at the expense of actual current ongoing racism and genocide in China. Spare me the moral posturing of these quote-unquote American companies and spare me the moral posturing of applauding them for doing something about refusing to do business with Russia. It won't stop Vladimir Putin, and it's misdirected. If human rights are your concern, you're going after the wrong thing, or at least you're going after the smaller thing. The Russian human rights abuses pale, pale, in comparison to the Chinese communists. But for there and them, there's nothing to see. And should anyone say anything negative about China, particularly in the athletic realm? Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 34 after the hour brings us 
Our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski. He is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. His radio show, The Word on Wealth, is heard every Saturday morning right here, 9.60 a.m. at 7 a.m. How are you, John? I'm fantastic, Seth. How's it going today? I'm doing just fine. Dow Jones up. Standard & Poor up. NASDAQ up. Russell up. Right. Yeah, no, it was, it was a good day today for the market. Uh, nice nice recovery after uh, the past couple of days. And um, even though uh, we saw the Fed chair talk today, there was the Fed hearings, and Fed Chair Powell was speaking about, uh, you know, the economy and, and inflation and things that they're still prepared to do, even in the wake of the invasion of Ukraine, uh, which causes a little bit more of a challenge and puts more pressure on the economy. Uh, interest rates, we saw that short-term interest rate, those 10-year treasuries falling uh, over the past couple of days, uh, people moving into those types of investments out of stocks when we saw the markets falling. But today we saw a little bit of a reversal on that, and we saw interest rates rising again, 10-year treasury rates rising because there was selling pressure on those bonds. And again, obviously, uh, more demand for stocks today as people pushed money back into the equity side of uh, investments. Thank you for that, John. John, tell me a little bit about this, um, the rate hikes that are still coming. Because it is, he, he talks about this 2% threshold, right? The 2% target, I suppose, that yeah, inflation right. has surpassed. Talk to us about what where, where this is coming from. Right. So now we have the Fed fund rate is less than one-tenth of 1%. That's the, the rate that the Fed lends money to banks. Uh, so it's basically at zero. That's what they're saying. And, of course, that's creating a tremendous amount of liquidity for the markets, which creates money available to uh, companies uh, for investment, also for individuals. Low interest rates spark just about uh, anything when we're buying on credit. So by raising rates, what the thought is is to slow down the economy, make money a little bit more expensive, and then therefore creating less demand on our products out there. And the belief is, is that that will begin to bring inflation down. And he even said today, though, Seth, he's not sure if the inflationary pressures will uh, end by the end of this year, but probably uh, may go into 2023 as well. John, does does your crystal ball tell you anything about where we are vis-a-vis uh, t- tax reform and tax, probably tax hikes that you would expect in a Democratic Congress with a Democratic president at the same time inflation is taking place. My guess is as a political matter rather than an economic matter, there won't be anything between now and November. But does do you, th- do you think that thinking affects is, is affected at all by inflation? In other words, the cost uh, of living yeah. is already higher than it should be, right? That's the problem with inflation. That, that is correct. The cost, of, and it is affecting, as we know, the uh, the low and middle class, not not the wealthy end of uh, the spectrum. Uh, and I would say this is that I would be shocked, Seth, if any type of legis- really solid legislation got pushed through, uh, especially with the current um, state of uh, you know the satisfaction with the current administration yeah. right now. I, I just, I, I it would be very hard and very difficult, I believe, and you still have a couple of senators there that probably uh, would side with reason. Uh-huh. 
that probably would not allow anything to be shoved or pushed through. However, you know, there are those uh, mandates that can happen. And the president, as I think Obama used once, uh, he has a pen yeah. and he's willing to use it. Yeah. Uh, so who knows? But I would say if I did look into the crystal ball, I would say it would be very difficult. I want people uh, to freeze something. in amber your answer because it's a good one. And, and, it's, and you said something that we should take as general and conventional wisdom forever, which is when – Things are uncertain. You don't want to do something unpopular like raise taxes. Okay, I'm with you. <laughs> that was well said. <laughs> that was well said. Now, let's just take that rule and apply it to every year as well as 2022. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. Yeah, that was, that, yeah, that's a good right. – you're right about it. It's just people forget yeah. it. You're absolutely right. People forget. It will well, be my job but, to remind them. I, I, I will have Chris – freeze this interview in amber for us. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. So you betcha. Advisory Services, offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finman Sipican, an investment advisor. Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC and Client One Securities LLC and affiliated. Go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com, to schedule an appointment. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, John. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature. Their fruits and veggies blend is what I take every single day. It has kept me well for the three years or so I have been taking it. It is the only whole food supplement that has no added anything. All that it is is fruits and veggies, powerful blends of fruits and veggies, more than you would eat even on a healthy diet on any given day. You take it once a day, and they're in vegetarian capsules. All of it, third-party tested for pesticides, metals, impurities, you name it. You take it once a day. You can take it more than once a day if you need a little extra pick-me-up or if you're, you know, burning the candle, the midnight oil a little a little more than usual because it's fruits and veggies. Again, balanceofnature.com. They're fruits and veggies. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Everyone I know who has taken it thanks me for the recommendation and the suggestion. Balanceofnature.com, discount code BALANCE for the best savings. Alexandra's in Peoria. Hello, Alexandra. Hello, Seth. Thank you for taking my call, sir. Of course. Thanks for calling. Uh, sir, I just want to say that I have utmost respect and admiration for you. Huh. I just want to say the monologue, the way you talk, and the way you have been saying and talking about everything going on all at once, you know how to personify it in terms of, in, in, you know how to speak on my behalf and the behalf of millions of others who are listening, honestly. You have such grace and such, the way you talk is so educated. I want to tell you, you know, the way, especially with this incident with Ukraine, the, what you said really, you know, gave me goosebumps because honestly, yes, I do have empathy for what the people of Ukraine are going through. Believe me, I, you know, war is something uh, one side of my family has seen plenty of. And but the problem I have is the fact that, you know, we are have spending so much F like energy on all oh, the Ukrainians, Ukrainians this, Ukrainians that. And that's fine, you know, it's okay. But before I go and help and try to clean up somebody else's mess, 
I have to clean up my own backyard and my own mess. And it's it's getting on my nerves because honestly, our, we can't even as a country stay united. And we're sitting here talking about uniting <laughs> with with Ukraine. You know, we stand with Never Ukraine. mind all of Europe, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can't even stand with ourselves. And that's also an issue I have. What about Europe? Where's Germany in all this? You know, I thought this was a superpower. Where's Germany? Where, show yourself. You know, come on. But you know what? This is it. This is how U.S. gets always dragged into something, something we don't ask for. And it's our fault because we don't open our mouth. We, the American people, are not the American people from the 30s and 40s who actually were really patriotic, loved their country, even in the 80s and 90s, quite honestly. We had a little bit of empathy for our country. We loved it growing up, going to high school, standing for our Pledge of Allegiance. You know, you have a generation now who can't even locate where Ukraine is on the map, okay? And I, I'm worried about a generation about now that can't locate the United States on a world map. <laughs> that's true, too. So, yes, sir, that's that's why I called. I was very frustrated, but you, you know, spoke on my behalf through your monologue, as always, so beautifully. And yesterday you had a caller. He said something that... Seldom few people have the guts to say, you know, we're always talking about being politically correct. Mm. So it's so. Mm. The pro- that's the problem. You know, we have an expression. It's an old proverb. It says, go to the one that makes you cry. Mm. Listen to the one that makes you cry, mm. not the one who's going to make you laugh. Mm. The reason is because the one who's making you cry is probably telling you the truth. Mm. They're telling you what you don't want to hear. Mm. Okay, and you know this is what our our generation they don't want to be told. Oh, you're coming out of your mom's basement. That's the caller I really really liked yesterday when he said everything straightforwardly. He said this generation is worried about you know coming up from the you know they don't know what communism is, but you know what? Let's put on a Che Guevara. They don't even know who Che Guevara is and what he stood for. And how he hated immigrants. He hated immigrants. And and hated and LGBTQ plus, if that's the phrase of art for the for what we're. I yeah, mean, people yeah, have no yeah, idea yeah. how racist and bigoted Che Guevara was. People just have no idea. He was. You're right. You're right. He was. And you have people like Madonna wearing his. And I still remember it too. Growing up, I said, you know, when you're growing up, you're like 13, 14. You're like, who's this guy on her her shirt? He, and she's wearing a Che Guevara, you know, shirt. But when you grow up and you're reading about who Che Guevara was, you're like, oh, my God, you know. And yeah, I we, and we've done it with Malcolm X and we've done it with Hugo Chavez. First of all, exactly. Alexandra, I, I need to say thank you very, very much for your kind words. I mean, they overwhelm me and, no, and I no appreciate problem, it. But sir. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I've just learned to say you're thank welcome, you. So honey. thank you. Um, okay, you betcha. You made a point I want to focus on for a moment, though, in the other part of what you were saying when you were talking about our own backyard. And I just wonder if it ever occurs. I mean, it occurred to the mass of American people in 2016 when Donald Trump spoke about this. Uh, no more forever wars and time to work on America and not, you know, not take everyone else's problems as more important or as primary over our own. That resonated in 20. <clears throat> that resonated in 2016. And I, and I want to connect it to what you said about 
you know, why don't we fix our own backyard? Why don't we fix our own front yard? I'd like to make a further nexus here, if you if you agree, Alexandra, as I'm thinking out loud with you. Yes, it dawns yes, on me that Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, the, 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 the malocracy of Iran, they read what we read. They read what we read. They know what we know. They see what we see. We are an open society that hangs everything out, you know. In the in the in the front windows for everyone to see. It's always yes, been sir. a challenge when democracies confront tyrannies or autocracies. Is that as an open society, they don't need much of an intelligence service. Our enemies, they can no. just read the New York Times or turn on, you know, uh, <laughs> CNN International. Right? We have to have intelligence capabilities because they are countries that you know censor their bad news. And yes. it dawns on me that if. Our opponents, never mind our enemies, but our opponents, our competitors, our enemies, if they took the measure of this country or the measure of its leadership, that does condition and in pardon the pardon the use of the word this that does condition and dictate their behavior. They take the measure of this country. They take the measure of its leadership. This is why so many of us were so concerned after the way we left Vietnam in 1975 and were railing against the Democrats in those days for undercutting our mission there, which they did, as well as how we left Afghanistan last year. It matters what the United States does, no matter what the Democrats think or not. It matters to the rest of the world what the United States does. They aren't marching with Russian flags or Chinese flags in Hong Kong. They weren't marching with Chinese flags and Russian iconography in Tiananmen Square or in Tehran in 2009. It matters what we do here. And when we fail, they move. When we sneeze, the world catches a cold. Fix it here. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Alexandra, I hope, is still on the line. I'm going to come back to you in a moment. The break kind of came and I wasn't able to fully uh, address what I wanted to say, which was... When the world leaders who are our opponents or our enemies uh, make moves or decide to make the moves that they decide to make, they look at the leadership of America. I mean, there is a reason that the hostages Iran held, the American hostages Iran held for 444 days were returned the day Ronald Reagan was inaugurated and at no time during the Jimmy Carter presidency, which is when they were taken. There was a reason that when Barack Obama in 2012 threatened Syria with a red line if you, they used chemical gas, thought they could go ahead and use poison gas regardless because they thought <clears throat> Barack Obama was a paper tiger. And they were right. And what did Barack Obama do, by the way? He farmed the Syria problem off to Russia. Look, <clears throat> what the United States says and does about itself, what it says and does with its leadership matters. It matters to the dictators of the world as it should matter to the Americans in the United States of America. And so, yes, when we are willing to let our country fall into dissuetude, when we are willing to denounce ourselves the way the Democrats like to condemn America and then find it surprising that Russian leaders and Chinese leaders use that same language against us as if we're all men without chests, expecting virtue and enterprise once we have disabled them, expecting what you cannot naturally or logically expect. You know, that's why leadership matters. You know, I don't know if they still teach courses 
<clears throat> in political science on the presidency and Congress. But when I was taking that kind of stuff and studying that kind of stuff, the first thing, the first thing we were always taught about the presidency in those texts and in that scholarship was about what it, yes, meant to the rest of the world. Because in a constitution with a separation of powers, the presidency isn't the first article of, 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 of the constitution. Congresses. The presidency was subordinate to Congress, at least in certain theoretical foundations in the Constitution itself. But it did matter who the president was to other nations. It did matter. I remember, actually, maybe the best political science wisdom I ever got was from my dad, who was not a political scientist. He was a, a, a real scientist. <laughs> you know, he periodic element and tables and charts and that stuff. A real scientist, not a theoretical one. He said something interesting to me when I was a young kid. He said, the American president more than anything matters to two audiences. Those who don't live in America and the poorest of the poor in America. I thought there was wisdom in that. I still think there's a lot of wisdom in that. But right now, we have an enfeebled president of the United States who is willing to observe a decline and an enfeeblement of this country. And when strong men in hard times take the measure of that, guess what they're going to do? Act like strong men and do hard things. And the best this president can do is summon up some kind of virtue signaling. I don't mind the talk on the behalf of the Ukrainians. I really don't. I just want to know what we plan to do about it. It better not be sending American boys and girls over there to get harmed. It better not be that. But we got to have something better than virtue signal. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.